1: You're listening to episode 112.
0: A place to be, a place to go, Ontario.
1: Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Christina.
0: And I'm Daniel.
1: Alright, what a song you pulled out. <laughs>
0: well, it's because our guest today, Sheila Ray Gwar, is a fellow Canadian. Woo-hoo! And she's hailing from oh, Ontario. Canada,
1: <laughs> where I was born and raised. Yep. Yes. And also have one of the most amazing peaches around.
0: Even better than Georgia Peaches. That Georgia Peach truck.
1: Oh, uh, well, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> yes,
0: we don't want to alienate <laughs> exactly. her.
1: Exactly. <laughs> we love all peaches. <laughs> yes,
0: we will get angry, angry emails after that one.
1: Exactly. So, but we are not going to be talking about peaches today, are we, Daniel?
0: No, we are going to be talking about sex after parenthood.
1: Yes, with Sheila, we are going to be covering how to prioritize sex when you have kids in the house from baby stage to all the way to as we're launching our kids off to college or out of our home.
0: So Sheila is a sought after speaker, blogger and award winning author of nine books, including The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. She's passionate about helping couples with more than just Christian pat answers about marriage, uh, but she tackles people's real problems on her blog to love, honor, and vacuum. I love that. So I know you're going to enjoy this episode, so let's get right in.
1: Well, Sheila, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Fellow Canadian! Yes! <laughs> we, unfortunately, How's it going, yeah, yeah. No, we unfortunately don't have that many Canadians on our podcast. We are going to have to change that, aren't we, Daniel?
0: Yeah. Yeah, eh? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Okay, so one of my favorite things to do, especially when we lived in the States, and I know it's stereotypical, but a lot of them don't know how big Canada is, and I love being able to like blow their minds a little bit. Okay, so... Let Let's talk, Sheila, where you are and where we are. So we live in Edmonton, and we are about 12 hours north of Montana. So can you say where you live and sort of like what is the geography, like what's close to you that is in America? Yeah.
2: Okay, so I am in Belleville, Ontario, which is on the north shore of Lake Ontario. And if you were to go straight across the lake, you'd kind of hit like the Rochester area. Ah,
1: see, there you go. I know people are like, well, because Daniel's family lives in BC and mine lives in Ontario, not too far from you, actually, (laughs) Sheila. So when we were living in the States and going for Christmas, they're like, are you going to go see both sides of your parents? Like, will you just drive to see them? And I was like, no, that would take four days. And they're like, wait. Canada's that big (laughs) like yes, Yes. we do not live in (laughs) igloos.
2: Although my husband right at this very moment is up in a native community on James Bay doing some medical clinics. So like he's like mega hours plane ride north of me. So it is very, very large country. is yeah. yeah
1: and i don't know if you've ever driven you know from west to east or whatnot it like every province is so different it's mm-hmm. so beautiful so a podcast family if you've never done that maybe you live in america and the, when the borders open you can do that and yeah, your money will l- go very far in canada yes. <laughs>
0: but who knows when the borders are gonna open so <laughs> yes,
1: that is true so just the life we live in today <laughs> so sheila we didn't invite you on the podcast just to talk about canada though i'm sure we can speak out all different fun facts (laughs) about it. (laughs) But um, we actually invited you on the podcast to talk about sex after parenthood. And um, you are quite the expert, I guess you could say, in terms of that you've been writing about sex for over uh, a decade. And you've really listened to many couples struggling with their unsatisfying sex lives. So uh, through the decade, through the years that you've been listening to parents especially, what are some of the common struggles you've heard from couples who have children
2: oh the number one one is just exhaustion (laughs) Mm, I hear that especially during a pandemic (laughs) yeah and I don't think anyone's surprised by that right Mm -hmm. but yeah people are just so tired and women especially it's just it's like at the end of the day I just don't need anyone else hanging off of me Mm -hmm. I just need some time to myself and so sex just falls so far down on the to-do list
1: Yes, I agree with that. I remember especially um, we have two young kids that are 15 months apart, and um, I remember breastfeeding them. And I was like, I am I am touched out. So <laughs> one more person touching me and I am going to explode. So mm-hmm. I totally, totally hear you about that. Um, is there anything else? Obviously, the exhaustion is so, so true. Is there anything else that you feel like has been a common denominator for parents?
2: I think... One of the big things, and this actually ties into why exhaustion is a problem, but one of the big things is that we don't understand how libido works. And so because of that, when she gets exhausted, and it's typically her, but it isn't always her, we assume that she doesn't want sex and he feels rejected. And there's this whole big dynamic that goes on that wouldn't necessarily be as bad if everybody just understood what's really happening with libido. Okay,
0: okay. Okay. So maybe give us, um, kind of the, the, the dummy's guide to libido then.
2: (laughs) I like the dummy's guide. I love it. Yes. All right. All right. So, so everyone fasten your suit belts, but here we go. All right. You watch any movie, any TV show, any Netflix series, whatever you watch. And the plot when it comes to sex is always the same. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the couple is together and they start to pant and then they kiss and then the clothes come off and they end up in bed. hmm. Right? So that's what we think sex is, right? So you pant, and then you kiss, and then the clothes come off, and you end up in bed. And that's what we see over and over and over again, right? Pant, kiss, close, bed. And so that's what we think sex is. And so here you have all of these women who are exhausted, and they're breastfeeding. And, you know, you've got little kids hanging off of you, and you've got banana mash in your sweatshirt, Mm -hmm. and you're looking at your husband, and you're waiting to pant.
0: (laughs) This is awesome.
2: And the parents (laughs) isn't coming. (laughs) And like nothing is happening. So so you assume, well, I'm just not in the mood. And he assumes she just doesn't want me. Mm. And so that causes this rejection. And often what, what then happens is is Men especially get more and more worried that she doesn't really want me. And so he starts initiating more. He starts trying to touch her more. And she's like, don't touch me. Everyone's always touching me. And so (laughs) the more he tries, the more she withdraws. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. (laughs) Mm. And and yet, what if the problem is just that we see libido wrong? Mm. What if it's not pant, kiss, close bed? Like what if for some women it's like clothes bed kiss pants mm, <laughs> right you know you, you you take off the clothes you brush your teeth cuz that's part of foreplay right like you end <laughs> up in bed and um, you're just chatting at the end of the day you pray together he touches your hand you laugh about something and then you start kissing and as you're kissing desire strikes mm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, it doesn't strike until then. And, you know, we often think of this in terms of like, who has the higher libido and who has the lower libido. Right. But it's actually more for some people that libido works differently. Like for some people, it's more spontaneous. It is that pant kiss clothes bed, like they are Rare to go from the very beginning, but some people have more of a responsive libido mm-hmm. where they don't actually desire sex until they get aroused. So when, when you start kissing, you're not feeling much of anything at all, right? You know, you might love him, but you're not feeling like, oh, baby, come take me. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but as you kiss, and as you touch, your body starts to warm up, and then your libido kicks in. Mm
1: okay so i can imagine our podcast family some of them maybe have never even heard the word libido before and um are wondering okay how how do i even know my own libido and then how do i figure out with my spouse especially Mm -hmm. if they're different is this something that we just one day say like hey we're just going to take off our clothes and brush our teeth and see what happens. Or is it like, no, we're just going to start panting right now. <laughs>
2: like how do we figure it all out? <laughs> well, if you're both panting, it's probably not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get into bed. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I do think that libido, libido is just that desire to have sex and that ability to become aroused and enjoy sex when you do have sex. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is the way we think about sex. Mm, okay. Like, if you if you are thinking, I'm not going to enjoy this, I'm just too tired, I'm doing this because I have to, you're right, you're not going to enjoy sex. Like, he could do something to you one night that has you in raptures, and then three nights later, he does exactly the same thing. Like, move for move, mm-hmm. exactly the same thing, and you are lying there thinking, will you just get it over with because <laughs> I want to get to sleep, right? Yeah. <laughs> and he knows that's what you're thinking, he can tell. <laughs> yeah because, because for women, our sex drives are almost entirely about how we're thinking about sex. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for some women, they, they are the pant person, like they think about sex in, in that way, they do pant, they have, you know, high libidos, they're very spontaneous libidos. But for some people, it's not as spontaneous, but they still enjoy sex. And I just want to encourage people in this, like, we sometimes get in this rut where we think, I just don't want sex. Mm-hmm. And she thinks she's not sexual. He thinks she's not sexual. And it makes the problem worse. But I don't know how many of you, like, do you guys run at all? Are you joggers at all? I uh, know, but bike. we cycle a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you cycle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is a good example then. So after you cycle, you probably feel amazing, yeah. right? Yes. Like, and mm-hmm. you're probably like, yes, I am so glad we went. But are there times. When you're like, I know we should go, but I just don't want to. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, like totally. Half the time, maybe. <laughs> and you have to drag yourself out yeah. and you're like, no, I'm gonna do this because I know I'm gonna feel great afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now we you wouldn't say that you don't like cycling mm-hmm. because sometimes you have to drag yourself out to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because you do enjoy it. It's just sometimes it's just hard to get going.
0: Yeah, yes. that's oh, okay. That was definitely a great dummies guide to Levita. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, it such he a great. Out sex and
1: cycling. Yeah, <laughs> He's no, all about no, it. No, it
0: really is. I mean, it is. Um, it's it's so fascinating because I know we've fallen into that trap of of oh, yeah. feeling bad and you know getting rejected and is it this is it that and and we've learned. Um, I don't. I don't know how often. Maybe occasionally it's the pant kiss, clothes bed. If I if I get that right, but sometimes more often than not it's talk.
1: Oh yeah, it's for talk sure. kiss. It's right, brush your clothes. teeth yeah.
0: talk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or too gum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> too lazy. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, and and even for us, uh, but you know, at the time that this episode goes live, some of our friends down in Tennessee are and in the states, kids have gone back to school. Mm-hmm. We have a few more weeks, but. Uh, even yesterday, for example, I mean, it was all talk uh, and then there was some kiss, but there was no clothes and there's no bed because it, we were talking about school. Yeah. And we were talking about, okay, mm-hmm. what is... And, and that was so on our minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just... like mm. she, she, I, I just so appreciate what you're saying, because I think it gives us the opportunity and the freedom to try something different and to to not feel bad if um, sex doesn't happen on kind of our timeline.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you saying too, Sheila. It reminded me of sometimes I'm, I'm making dinner and I can make the exact same dinner and the kids will eat it up. And then three days later, I'll make the exact same dinner and the kids are like, ew, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> so like you were saying that sometimes, you know, we do the same thing and it, and it works and we're panting and we're just enjoying it. And then three days later, cir- circumstances have changed. And then it's like, please like either get this over with or can we just not have sex right now? And I love how you were talking about, it's just kind of the ebb and flow of the relationship, mm-hmm. right? And there's so much from, I'm just thinking of, you know, the day you bring home your, your baby to the day that you allow or you, that your baby flies off because they're going to university or they're leaving the home or going for a job, so on and so forth. There's so much ebb and flow in parenthood, but there's also a lot of ebb and flow in our sexual relationship with our spouse, right? So I'm wondering in your, you know, in the books that you've written, the blogs and um, the decades you've talked to couples, that it sounds like you're, you know, talking about sex and wanting to help couples prioritize that as well. But there's just different stages of parenthood. So if you can uh, just give us some advice about what you have for parents who are wanting to, you know, put sex as a priority, but they have different stages. So let's talk about, you know, parents who are bringing a new baby home. What um, are sort of the advice that you would give
2: to them? Well, the first thing that we just don't talk about enough, and we really need to, is after you've had a baby, That's a lot of trauma on certain parts of a woman's body. Yes
1: and amen. Oh, my Mm. goodness. Very
2: much so. And, you know, up to 30% of women report having a lot of sexual pain. And I'm not talking about right away. I'm talking about you you give it the full six weeks. Mm -hmm. And six weeks does not mean you're ready to go. Like if you get a third or fourth degree tear, um, if you've had like some major birth trauma, Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily ready to go for like twelve weeks.
1: Mm. Yeah, Daniel can and- see me squirm because I've been there. I'm like, oh yes. my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. That.
2: And if you've had some major tearing, like that's a lot of scar tissue that also needs to heal and that needs to be stretched. Like scar tissue, you don't. It's not you don't feel in the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so you need to, you need to bring some circulation, some feeling back to that area. You need to bring some healing back. And I strongly recommend, like, if you've had any kind of tear, like beyond a second degree tear that you go see a pelvic floor physiotherapist. Mm -hmm. Um, afterwards and and really gets it's amazing how much they can help and a lot of women don't mm-hmm. and and then they have the sexual pain for the first often for the first time um and and they just kind of live with it they figure this is what it is for the rest of my life and it isn't so there is help available mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes the issue yeah is is like you've got tears and things just don't stretch the way they're supposed to sometimes the issue is the opposite, where you yeah, just are kind of floppy now, and you and you don't have a lot of sensation anymore, right. and so you really need to learn how to engage those muscles again. Um, and again, pelvic floor physiotherapists can really help with that. So I just think that's something we don't talk about enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and just realize too, the six week thing does not mean that every woman is ready to go at six weeks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you really need to listen to her body, listen to medical providers. Um, and, and get the help and care you need because it's a lot to ask of a body <laughs> to give birth. So, <laughs> I completely you agree. Know? Very,
1: very true. And then, especially, you're saying if there's trauma afterwards, um, it's mm-hmm. just a lot for, and especially if you're, you know, you're figuring out your baby's sleep and the breastfeeding or just the, like anything, it's just, you just don't feel like yourself for a long time. Yes, yeah, so no. I get that.
0: The wait is over. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of ten-year-old Michael and his friends, and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all twelve Dead Sea Squirrels books available wherever books are sold. That's such great advice, and and just it's awareness, right? It's it's knowledge. It's it's growing in mm-hmm. that, and so let's say that um, that down there. You're good. We've kind of gone beyond that piece of it, mm-hmm. uh, but you still have that baby at home sometimes in the middle of your mm-hmm. bed. And, and what what advice would you give um, at, at that stage
2: then? I what I just want to tell parents is, as tired as you are, please just try to keep your marriage a major focus. It is not going to be your main focus. It just isn't. I mean, you have a little baby that you need to tend to. Mm -hmm. And that baby is going to be your main focus for a while. You don't need to feel guilty about that. But just don't let your marriage go. Because I think what happens is we forget that marriage is one of the things that gives us energy Mm -hmm. when it's good. Like when your marriage is good, it's not that sex or your spouse becomes one more thing on your to-do list. It's that sex or your spouse is something that enables you to get through your to-do list. Uh, yeah. yeah. What a mind shift you know? Challenge. Yeah,
0: that really mm-hmm. is. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Like like when you when you can connect with your spouse, it just the hormone rushes can be amazing. It, it just helps you feel more energized. It often helps you sleep better, even if you're sleeping in three hour bursts. Yeah. <laughs> it at least helps you get to sleep faster, like all kinds of things like that. So I would just say as much as you can pay attention to each other in those early days. And, you know, trying to help your child sleep once they can um, is amazing. I'm not talking about doing anything mean or I'm not talking about letting them cry for 20 minutes, but if you're finding that you have to hold your baby to get them to sleep Mm -hmm. or that your baby just won't sleep for more than half an hour at a time, talk to a mom, you know, who does it really well (laughs) because they would love to help you. (laughs) They really would. They are watching, wanting to jump in, but they feel like they're not allowed to. So you have to give these people permission, but believe me, people want to help you.
1: Uh, completely agree. And I know I remember talking to um, uh, one of my sister-in-laws and she has three kids and the third child just wouldn't sleep even though she had two other ones. And so she actually uh, consulted a sleep therapist or, or a sleep trainer mm-hmm. for their third child just to help them because she's like i've used all the tools in my tool belt i don't know what else to do but we all need yep. sleep.
2: <laughs> and so yep. that's
1: something to do as well maybe that you know if you've tried everything your your friends have given you wonderful advice but you still don't know what to do that could be a maybe another extra step you can take
2: yeah. And many of them see it by video too, especially during COVID. Yes, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. a very Google it. Point. You can find sleep training, sleep training help. Yeah. That's perfect. it's
0: perfect. So, um, okay, let's move on to, I guess that next phase, uh, where now you have toddlers, uh, to preschoolers. What, Ooh, advice, yeah, <laughs> what advice would you give parents, uh, about sex?
2: my number one thing always is the sleep picture, the sleep piece cuz it doesn't stop once they're not babies then they once they're toddlers they can get out of the bed you know so yeah. so really work on that sleep piece help them to sleep cuz cuz you need to reclaim your evenings you really do you need mm-hmm. to reclaim your evenings you know once you can because we just need we just need time together And um, so the more that you can do that, the better. And again, just keep that positive attitude. Remember that you guys are still a couple, right? You're still you're still you're not just a mom, you're not just a dad, you're a man and a woman. And be patient with each other too. Because libido's really do shift sometimes mm-hmm. and sometimes it can be him with a lower libido and we never hear about that we never hear about marriages where she has the higher libido and he has the lower one but it's true in about 20 to 25% of marriages mm-hmm. <laughs> you know so like if you're a guy with a lower libido Please initiate sex because she really needs that. She needs to feel that she's desired. So, you know, sometimes you'd be the one to initiate sex and just believe that, okay, I may not be panting right now, but if we start, (laughs) it'll kick in because it usually does. Yes.
0: Yep.
2: (laughs) Yep. You're yeah. gonna to testify to that, honey. Uh,
0: yeah, pretty yeah. much. So. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and I really appreciate Sheila how you mentioned that. Just maybe with the the male with the lower libido, um, because if we don't talk about it, sometimes you know, coming from a wife perspective, a female perspective, if my husband is always like he used to maybe initiate and he doesn't anymore, or I'm initiating sex and he's like I'm too tired, then those questions start to go like, okay, what's going on? Like you know. And you know mm-hmm. how fast we can spiral sometimes. It's like, okay, is he addicted to porn? Is he having an affair? Is he so on and so forth? And that, oh, then, you know, my libido is just going to shut down. We're like, okay, exactly, we're done. Yeah. So, yeah, that's
2: important. And I'll, I'll say one more thing for for um, couples in that toddler years. And this is just a warning. Okay, just a warning, but you can get over this. Is that in a lot of cases, before you have kids, if she has never had a good time in bed, like if she's never reached orgasm, and we just finished a huge survey 20,000 women, and only 48% of uh, married Christian women reach orgasm regularly. So if mm-hmm. she's going into sex not expecting to feel aroused, not expecting to orgasm, mm-hmm. often women will still have quite frequent sex before kids come. Mm-hmm. But then after kids come, if sex has really never done anything for her, she often does shut down. Okay. And so, if the wife is just totally shutting down, it could be because sex has just never done anything for her. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a misunderstanding of what sex is supposed to be. Like, we think that sex is intercourse. And because he gets a lot of pleasure from that, they, there's kind of an unspoken assumption that if she doesn't, there's something wrong with her. Right. But actually, the majority of women do not reach orgasm through intercourse, they reach orgasm in other ways doesn't mean that they can't. Right. <laughs> and I have a lot of tips in 31 days to great sex to help to help that happen. Um and but I also have a lot of tips on how to help her reach orgasms she never has and how to figure out what arouses her because you know, if she's never had a good time in bed, right. It's kind of not surprising if she shuts down when once she gets really really exhausted. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, those are such good points, Sheila. And uh, make sure to pick up the book for sure. There are so many tips and even exercises uh, that you can do with your spouse to um, invest into your sex and intimacy life. Uh, So let's move on to this is the stage that we're in, Sheila. We are Mm -hmm. in the elementary uh, school aged kids um, part of parenthood. Mm -hmm. So what sort of advice or tips do you have for for that stage of life?
2: Kiss in front of your kids. <laughs>
0: they're always like,
2: Ooh. but they're like smiling. I mean, like, oh, this is so gross, but it's kind yeah. of comforting too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is, and you know, and and keep doing it as they get older. Like, um, my 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 children are grown now, and one of the things that they always thought was so funny was that whenever their friends came over, their friends were always so surprised at how my husband and I, we'd hold hands, we'd touch each other. I mean, we didn't like smooch all the time, but (laughs) you know, he'd kiss me occasionally and it just wasn't a big deal. But so many kids, their parents never do. And you don't want to give your kids the impression that marriage is where sex goes to die. (laughs) Uh, Yep you know? And so like the more affectionate you can be when they're in elementary school, when they get into junior high, high school, um, you make it much easier to talk to your kids about sex and puberty then as well. Mm -hmm. And and then as you are being affectionate, as you're touching your spouse, it actually does help you feel a little bit more in the mood as well. (laughs) So I think that's really important once kids, once kids get older is that we make sure that we don't Get embarrassed or say, Oh, they shouldn't see us kiss because there's nothing wrong with them seeing you kiss. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Does it change when they get into kind of the middle and high school stage?
2: I mean it didn't for us, okay. Okay. but like if they if they freak out about it. I mean I'm not saying don't grope anybody. Gosh. What are you doing, know, like, <laughs> <like>, you, <know. laughs> you know, you never want your kids to worry about where your hands are <laughs> or something like, but but like but but having them see you kiss, I think that's a healthy thing. I don't think that's a problem at all. And and again, the more that they do, it often is easier than for them to come to you with issues because they know that this that you're not embarrassed about it. If they never ever ever see you kiss your spouse, they'll probably think you don't have sex anymore. <laughs> so.
0: wow, okay. Which will probably cause the whole other set of problems, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So we've um, touched a little bit on the middle school and high school uh, question as well. Is there anything specifically in the middle school to high school age range that you would you would like to say, um,
2: parents, maybe think about this or don't do this? <laughs> I think, yeah, I think the problem with teenagers is that their sleep schedules get so weird that teens yeah. often start staying up late yes. and then getting Getting up late, and so they're staying up later than you are, and so then the problem becomes: when do we have sex so they can't hear? Right. And so a lot of people, a lot of parents, just (laughs) stop having sex because you're so embarrassed that your teenagers are around. And I would just say, you know, kids have their headphones on listening to music. They're not really listening. I mean, be quiet. Like, don't advertise it. But <laughs> you're pregnant, not screaming. <laughs> yeah.
0: You what know what are they doing?
2: <laughs> but you need to think about this. If they find out that you had sex, like if they hear something, mm-hmm. if they hear a moan or something, okay, are they gonna be mortified? Maybe, but is that really such a bad thing? Mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not like you're advertising it. And what you're telling them is, hey, we still have a good time, (laughs) which you want them to know that, you know, and, and then they also feel again, like, you are a safer person to come to. So Mm -hmm. like, don't advertise it. You know, you don't have to say, okay, we're going to bed now. So you guys should probably put your headphones. Like, You don't want (laughs) to draw attention to it. But
1: lock the the door. The
2: The mistake that I've seen so many people make is that they're so scared their kids find out that their sex life just dies. And that's Mm. not healthy. Yeah. That's not healthy.
0: Yeah, that's that's freeing and and such such great advice. Such great advice. So um how about the empty nester stage? What are what are your thoughts? Oh that's fun. There
1: you go. Yeah.
2: We're <laughs> only fifteen years away from that. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, the empty nester stage is not going to be fun if you haven't put in the work beforehand.
0: Uh, yes, and so okay.
2: just just really stay friends. I think that's the biggest thing is just really stay friends so that you can talk about stuff. You know, when you can laugh with your spouse every day, yeah. if you can laugh with your spouse every day, then you can have hard conversations. Mm. Like you know. I really actually don't like it when you grab my boob, like, you know, too early or something. Like, yeah. I, am I allowed to say that? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> like, yep, you are.
1: Yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> I don't like it when you grab me like that. Like, that's a difficult conversation to have right. if there's a lot of tension in your marriage. Mm. But if you're working on just communicating and on laughing every day, you can have those, those conversations like, this is something I really don't like, or this is something I'd really like to try, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about this. Can we talk about it? And that's a lot of what 31 Days to Great Sex is actually, it's, mm-hmm. it's all kinds of really fun challenges. But a lot of the challenges just to help you talk about some of this stuff that's awkward. Right. <laughs> you know, yep. and and we need to talk about that, like, how do we spice things up in a healthy way? Um, how do we figure out what feels good? in a way that feels safe for both of you, you know, all of that. And mm-hmm. and that's a lot easier to do if you're having fun together, if you're being affectionate, if you're flirting, all of that.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, totally true. Um, I love how you were saying about that because I know I've heard um, even the stats they're saying of the gray-haired divorce, right? When, you're, when your um, kids leave and then you look at your spouse and you're like, whoa, who are you?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I've mm-hmm. spent so much time
1: taking care of, we spent so much time taking care of the kids and focusing on their relationship. Relationship with us and, you know, launching them well, that it's sort of a little bit of a of the great divide between us. And so I love that uh, you mentioned your book, Sheila, 31 Days to Great Sex, because sometimes we just don't even know what questions to ask our spouse anymore because we've kind of known them, but we don't know them anymore. And so it's really handy uh, and sometimes just not as confrontational, right? Be like, let's pick up this book and let's just go through it in our own time. Maybe, you know, it's going to take longer than 31 days. Maybe we'll just really enjoy it and just, you know, plow through it. (laughs) But it's a good tool to have to be able to open up those conversations.
0: Yeah. So uh, Sheila, in your book, 31 Days to Great Sex, when I'm looking so I'm looking through the table of contents right now, and I love how you did this. Uh, Days one to seven, you have kind of a challenge, a a topic and a challenge and things to do each day, but it's categorized as embracing sex. Uh, Days eight to 11, you then go to laughter, which uh, you've talked about here. And then in brackets, it's emotional intimacy. Days 12 Mm -hmm. to 19, igniting fireworks uh, and in brackets, uh, physical intimacy. And then days 20 to 26, Uh, true oneness in the bedroom, uh, and then there's spiritual intimacy. And in the last few days, it's keep the momentum going. So uh, I love how you uh, have organized this, but I guess a quick question before we wrap up here, uh, perhaps you can give us just a quick overview about the difference between emotional, physical, and spiritual uh, sexual intimacy.
2: Well, we often think that sex is physical right? Like that's how, that's what we, that's what we all think about when you think about sex, but it's not only physical. It's like, um, if you read the King James version of the Bible in Genesis chapter four, verse one, it says, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and they mm-hmm. conceived a son. And when I read that, I remember hearing that in junior high and I just died laughing because I thought that God was embarrassed of using the real word for sex. You know? <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> when you, When you actually look at the Hebrew there, it means this deep longing to connect, this Mm. deep longing for intimacy. And it's the same word that David uses in the Psalms when he says, search me and know me, oh God. Mm. And so I think what God was trying to tell us is that sex isn't only physical. It's also this deep hunger for connection, this feeling like we're totally and utterly one. And Mm. that's what God designed sex for. Like, that's, that's one of the big things that it gives us is that ability to feel totally connected. It's like, it's like sex fuels our commitment to each other. And then our commitment to each other fuels the physical passion that we have for each other. So it's Mm. all a big circle, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Um, and, and then emotional intimacy, I think is just feeling like you're having fun and you can laugh which is a big part of it as well i think we take sex way too seriously sometimes <laughs> you got to laugh yeah. you know sometimes you squeak if you make funny noises like you got to be able to laugh right, right. Yes. and so right. you know she's going to squirt milk when she's breastfeeding like you got to be able to laugh. <laughs> yes. so this is true <laughs> You know, um, and so we need all three elements. And and in the first week of the book, I just I work on some really quick wins so that you can feel good. Because often we start in and sex is just such a big part of tension in our marriages. Mm -hmm. So I want to bring that down to start having some of those conversations, to have some quick wins, to make you feel good about each other. And then, yeah, we move into laughing and how to make sex feel good. But then also how do we really honor that feeling of oneness?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, how do we develop that? And if we are going to spice things up, how do we do it while still honoring that, that oneness and that bond?
1: Right. Yeah. I think that's absolutely wonderful that uh, it really takes all three. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. yeah, love how you were um, talking about all of that. So, Sheila, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I know that uh, this conversation has been very informative and helpful and fun, um, as well as I'm sure has brought up maybe some questions (laughs) that people want to know a little bit uh, more. So how can our podcast family find you?
2: Well, I blog every day at com. So that's my big blog. We talk about marriage and sex all the time, com. And you can find 31 Days to Great Sex there or on Amazon or chapters anywhere else you go awesome. as well.
0: Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Sheila. We appreciate you.
2: Thank you. It's been fun.
0: I thought it was so fascinating how she ended the episode talking about the three different types of sexual intimacy.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that could be really, really eye-opening and beneficial for you and your spouse to have a continual conversation about. Perhaps there's some areas that you're doing really great in, like... Physical intimacy. And then perhaps there's other areas, maybe like spiritual intimacy, where you feel like you want to be more on the same page as your spouse. So like we say, we know that sometimes these are tough conversations around sex and around intimacy, but these are important ones to continue to have a conversation with because, as Sheila has talked about, in every stage and every phase of life, there just brings in new nuances that you didn't know about before, and you can grow together with your spouse in all three levels of intimacy.
0: Yeah. So for a link to her newest book and for everything that we have talked about on this episode, just go to inbetween.org slash episode 112. And perhaps your first step this week is to text this episode to your spouse. Uh, you can do that by texting inbetween.org slash episode 112 or hit the share button on your favorite podcasting app and share that. And perhaps you can listen to the episode together and talk about what your next steps in bed possibly could be.
1: All right. Happy chatting. (laughs) Or is it pending? (laughs) All of the above. (laughs) Brushing your teeth?
0: Yes, brushing your teeth. All right. So, for episode 113 next week, what are we going to be covering, Christina?
1: We are going to be covering how to fight well with your spouse. All
0: right. Well, we'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Truce Podcast.